Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal as we continue the countdown to the Loudest Hell Festival in Drumheller, Alberta from July 29th to 31st. Canadian progressive death metal band Paramnesia joins the lineup on the 28th during the kickoff celebration of the festival. They released their latest EP, Aspect of Creation, in June of 2021. Today I am joined by most of Paramnesia as they gear up for the Modified Ghost Festival in Vancouver, BC in May, headlined by Dying Fetus and Deicide, and joined by three pioneers of Canadian metal, Exciter, Sacrifice, and Razor, among many more. Thank you guys again for joining me. For the listeners, would you be able to introduce yourselves just so they know who's talking? Sure. I am Matt Burnham. I'm guitar for Paramnesia. I'm Derek Hill. I play drums in Paramnesia. I'm Andy Cahallan, and I'm the other guitarist in Paramnesia. Thanks again for joining me again, guys. Um, it's getting a little bit closer here to Modified Ghost Festival, and that's, what, three days away? So how does it feel knowing you'll be playing against uh, so many heavy hitters? Feels epic. <laughs> yeah, it feels really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a good time. We're really stoked for it. We are practicing as much as we can. Obviously, it never feels like it's enough, but we're going for it. <laughs> yeah. And but the bonus is that we get full festival pass so we're we're all going to be uh you know four nights in a row of metal it's going to be good yeah that's gonna be great that'll be amazing which groups are you guys looking forward to personally either i really can't wait to see revocation yeah oh man i don't even know where to begin (laughs) the whole thing is pretty insane just the whole thing yeah yeah it seems like there's a lot of different sounds too, like everything from straight death metal to like um, melodic and progressive, uh, all the way straight through to thrash. Yeah, yeah, that's that works good for us because we got a little little bit of everything in there too. And so you guys uh, had mentioned practicing as much as possible. Uh, what else do you guys have to get ready before the festival starts? That's basically it. We're just kind of focusing on the set for this festival, and then once this festival's over, then we're kind of switching gears to looking at doing a single heading into a summer tour. Yeah. I'll be setting up my drums basically right pretty much right after the show. We'll be loading them right back up in here where we are. Matt Burnham's the ranch. That's right. Which uh, is our kind of home base recording studio. Nice. Quite lovely. And uh, that's a nice size room too. That's not bad. Yeah. It's a big garage repurposed. Yeah, other than that, we guys just got to trim each other's beards. Yeah. <laughs> this forehead of wax. By the end of it, you'll look the same anyway, so you're all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. So how long in advance do you guys generally start prepping for big festivals like this? I mean, we kind of just keep a pretty like standard couple days a week jam all the time. And then... Uh, the only thing that really changes is we focus in on a certain set list for it or something like that. But uh, if we don't have a show coming up, then we're kind of more looking at learning new material or working out kinks like that. But yeah, with this one, we're just kind of practicing the set for this night. Usually try to squeeze a couple extra jams in the two weeks before a big show. Yeah. <laughs> just to make sure everything is kind of fluid. Yeah. Yeah. And how long in advance do you guys generally choose like a set list? Honestly, I think we changed our set like three it's or four been, times yeah. now. It's um, been changing. It's uh, we ideally you'd kind of have it like a few weeks to a month before the show, and then you can really know what you're doing. But uh, 
the show of this like caliber we're kind of like oh but what if we did this song this maybe this one would be better you know kind of did that a few times and juggling time constraints too yeah it's a short set for us and our all of our songs are quite long so we're only yeah so we had we had to juggle the yeah the songs around a bit yeah we're li- we're actually limited on what tracks we can physically play to fit into that time slot so we did not okay on any toes yeah we, we want this to go as smoothly as possible so tried to stay within those time constraints uh as to the second like, like militantly yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is the length of your guys' set for this festival and is it the same as loud as hell it's going to be 25 uh, minutes for this yeah th- there's six bands on this fest per uh, day per, per day mm. and each opening band gets 25 minutes which is not a lot but we are we are there at all yeah no doubt like that's uh there's a pretty sick lineup this year i'm i wish i was going fly up <laughs> yeah may as well i couldn't i have to go back to work unfortunately but but you're done well, yeah. uh, come crash on one of our couches. you know what i'm thinking more and more of that all the time you could stay at the ranch here there's couch couches for days <laughs> <laughs> couches are comfortable especially after a few beer yeah exactly man <laughs> So in choosing like a set list, how do you guys, um, other than time constraints, how do you juggle the songs? Are you looking for a specific theme or like sound? Well, we do it a couple ways, like depending on what uh, the lineup is like, what the feel of the overall night is. We try to have a bit of a balance between some of our tracks that are more on the heavy side or some that bring more melodic kind of parts in. uh, And we try to get a good balance of that. If the show overall seems to be more like geared towards straight up death metal, then we try to do more of our just straight up heavier songs maybe but i don't know we they're all pretty big mix so yeah and also choosing between unreleased songs and stuff that that's already recorded and finalized is also kind of like weighs in quite largely on the songs we choose yeah so we went 50 50 on this one yeah 50 <laughs> new 50 percent oldie moldies yeah <laughs> <laughs> And I know you have like a different lineup here for the Modified Ghost Festival, but Loud as Hell is also approaching pretty quick. So are you guys excited about that? Yeah, super oh, excited. Yeah. That's that's going to be a fun one. Yeah. 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 There's going to be a lot, lot, lots of people there, I think, on the on the first night. Just there's there's a lot. What I learned about Loud as, or, yeah, Loud as Hell is that the vibe around that festival is, is very good. It's very... People love that festival. Yeah. It's just die a, hard fans of that. It's just a so, good time. It's yeah. a solid community for yeah. sure. Um, definitely. And I think we'll have a we'll have a lot longer of a set there too. So we'll have a bit more room to kind of like breathing space and kind of choose songs and breakpoints and stuff like that. Yeah, plus there's fucking dinosaurs out there. Yeah, there's dinosaurs. <laughs> 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 oh, funny. beside churches it's yeah. the most interesting thing <laughs> so do you think the the sense of community and the reason that people love this festival so much is partly because it's all canadian bands i, I that definitely has something to do with it i think though jeff burry like that guy works his butt off to put that festival on and i think that has a huge reason that's a big part of the vibe is they know how hard he's worked to to bring these bands in and to organize this weekend and everyone's just stoked yeah like because he's also he's not just you know hiding in the back in his trailer 
he's out, he's on, he's in, you know, he's everywhere all over the ground. So people see him, they meet him, they know who he is. And, and at least from my experience meeting him last year, when we played as super, nice. super nice, always positive. Like, I think that really ties into the, the vibe of the whole feel of the festival. Yeah, actually. One of the cool experiences for me was uh, one of the people who weren't, wasn't playing in band. This is a guy who goes, I think, every year. We'll do a little shout out to him. Sword guy. Sword guy. Sword guy. <laughs> it's just like one of the nicest people ever. And it's just so many people like that. They're just, you know, we'll, total strangers will walk up and just introduce themselves. And then, you know, an hour later, you're all best buds. Like you've known each other forever. And you just, it makes it so much more fun. You know, 100%. That is a really cool feeling, especially in like a camp setting. Yeah, uh, camp and a shit ton of con or, uh, shows as well. Yeah, yeah. Have you been? I haven't. This will be my first year. Oh, you're gonna go. I'm pretty yeah. stoked. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty excited for it. Um, I was chatting with uh, the members of Hyperia, and they were asking me if I was going to go. And at that time, I didn't quite know if I was able to get the time off, so I submitted for it, and I was able to get the whole weekend. So nice. there we go. Nice. Yeah. It'll be awesome. So I'm excited to meet you guys in person yeah, and the same with the other guests. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're playing on the Thursday evening on the, the, the kickoff night. And then unfortunately we'll probably stay that night, but unfortunately we got to keep going on the road. Yeah. We'll be we, in. Cause you guys have a tour book, right? That's our tour. Yeah. We'll be in Saskatoon the next day. I think, I think we got to drive to Saskatoon. Saskatoon. Loon. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's not bad from Drumheller, but from like Calgary, Vancouver would be a shit drive to Saskatoon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we, yeah got we, a, we got a real long haul on the way back, the way the final show ends for us, but it's okay. We'll, we'll all be exhausted by then and just take our time. But... How long is your tour and where's the last spot? Uh, it spans from July 21st to August 6th. Uh, so starting in BC and Kamloops, heading up uh, then towards Alberta to do Calgary, um, Edmonton, Red Deer, and then Loud as Hell. Then we make our way to, uh, to Saskatchewan, doing Saskatoon, Regina, then back down to BC for Medicine Hat, and then the long, painful journey home. <laughs> yeah, and then I think we're hitting Vancouver, Victoria, and Nanaimo. Yeah. So, so we, do... yeah, we end at Vancouver, Victoria, and Nanaimo. It's gonna be a good time. Where do you guys like generally playing the most? Like, um, do you have a preference of like crowd or maybe like venue? You know what? Uh, we played a show recently in Victoria, and it was one of the most spectacular crowds that like we've ever experienced. Yeah, just it was, like it was awesome. from from the first note of the first band right to the last note of the last band. They were they were so rowdy and just like packed house, super into it. And it was amazing. It was really cool. Yeah, good time. That must really feel good as like uh, as musicians when people are pumped the entire set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it it felt great. And like as a drummer, you can't really see much because of all of the light mm -hmm. and stuff. But then, I mean, it's unfortunate when you're playing. But after we finished, Andy was like, "Man, I looked up and there's the biggest fucking mosh pit I've ever seen for us playing." Mm -hmm. And it just like that, like to hear that kind of you know whether or not I saw it because I couldn't see it, but it just felt made the whole thing feel a lot better and just the experience elevated the experience i think i think one thing too about it that really like stood out to me was uh we had a little whoops in one of our songs that was pretty <laughs> obvious it just you know shit happens sometimes 
But once we got ourselves back on time, like the crowd obviously knew it happened, but then reacted super positively when we got it back. They were like, yeah, you did it. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and again, awesome. you know, we, everybody's played those shows, but it kind of sometimes it goes a little wrong and it can kind of kill the vibe. It didn't kill it. At all. Yeah. They were like super kind about it and just kept on going. That, that felt really nice. Yeah. Have you guys ever been um, been on stage and kind of lost the crowd for a moment? And if so, how do you guys bring them back? I, I would say it, it can feel like that for sure. It's always hard to tell if that's happening or not because you're always your own worst critic. Yeah. But I would definitely say there's there's times where, uh, like, for example, we had one show where we had somebody filming and they had to make the crowd stand like further back away from the front of the stage to use this crazy camera. And it felt like that kind of killed the vibe. Yeah, yeah it definitely did. Um, it got it made people like hesitant to almost come forward after the camera was, you know, you know, and, and just create that show vibe again where it was like, okay, no one can come to the front. So that yeah. kind of like made people just stand there. Yeah. So little things like that, you know, you just got to kind of roll with it and try and get it back, but just got to power through. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no shit. That's basically the only thing you can do. You're playing for a packed house. You're playing for five people. You always kind of want to put on the same show too, right? Like that's really important. One of my favorite shows was in Fernie at this little pub. Oh yeah. That was great. And was... we, me and the bass player just went around town before and like rounded people up. Cause it was going to be like, there was going to be like 15 people there. And then by the end there was like probably 50 people there. And a little packed in this tiny little place. Yeah. And there was like people who have never seen a metal show in their life and they blew their minds. Yeah. <laughs> and, it was, and it was rowdy. Yeah. Like, yeah they were, they were they loved it. rowdy in that show. <laughs> and that was probably, yeah, that was probably one of my favorite shows of that little tour we mm. did. Cause it was so unexpected. Yeah. It was absolutely unexpected. The show didn't start till 11 PM to give you an idea. I feel like this is a bust. Let's just play four songs and get out of here. And then all of a sudden there's the whole place was full and we played for like an hour or more and it was awesome. <laughs> you know, one of the coolest things about metal shows is having the ability to chat with a lot of the band members. So I think that's a great way to gain like new fans, new audience members, but 100%. also it's pretty cool that like the members are coming and shaking your hand being like, Hey, come see us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, that yeah, was it, kind of, it works. That was the vibe afterwards because you know everyone, even after we were done playing, everyone stuck around. People were outside having smokes, you know, talking about the show, all hyped because small, sleepy ski town. They don't get really any metal shows, and uh, they were like, we were interacting with everybody, and they just they were thanking us so much for coming and playing, and you know, obviously that feels really good, but it just goes to show how how important playing shows like that are to to crowds that obviously have no idea who you are but uh to to feel that that um appreciation you know yeah. coming by and it could have been a total bust for us and we could have walked out of there pretty sour but it was uh exactly. it was one of the most memorable ones yeah, yeah. I think what's also cool about that is like since it's metal it's normally seen as like less accessible music but having that kind of reaction is pretty awesome and seeing the different varieties of people that could be pulled to the music definitely yeah. Yeah. yeah uh you guys mentioned earlier that uh you played loud as hell last year but have you guys ever gone just as observers yeah i did um i went a few years ago now my friend mason um i was actually living in vancouver and i went out to visit him and he bought me a ticket to go just to check it out actually it's my friend mason and morgan they're yeah the three of us went and it was phenomenal 
that was like my friend. What's interesting is going fast forward a few years later to when we played it, I recognize a lot of people that were there from that time I went before that. So the oh, cool. kind of a cult following of, of people who go every year. Yeah. And then a bunch of new. Did you notice the festival getting a lot bigger and uh, obviously more bands on the bill? 100%. Yeah. It definitely grew. Nice. I wonder what this year is going to look like. I hope it's going to be, well, I know it's going to be good. So I think it's going to be insane because this is, you know, now things are really open. People can kind of go for it and people missed it, you know? So it's, it's going to be good. Yeah, that's true. What was, uh, what was last year? Like where, where I know, um, we chatted earlier about COVID, but like, I'm just wondering, were there any restrictions last year at the loudest? Oh, oh, no. No. <laughs> no. I don't give a look. Loud as hell is just as usual. Yeah. Uh, the, the one difference actually that's not entirely true the only difference is usually it's inside of this like giant it looks like an airplane hangar or something yeah. but uh last year they had the stage set up out just outside of that so it was an open was phenomenal open I'm air festival this. instead of an indoor festival which i think it's going to be again this year I'm pretty yeah. sure it's open air this year. i think it was a hit for sure yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I was told about the the guy standing on stage and like splashing everyone down with hoses just to cool them off yeah, yeah. yeah that's awesome I'm excited for that, but you got to leave your phone behind. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was really for a lot of people. That's impossible. Throw, throw, throw it in a baggie in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So now, looking at your guys's personal musical history, like how did you guys get into your respective instruments, and were you already fans of metal by that time? Ooh, you want to go first? Uh, well, yeah. I I wanted to play drums, but my parents got me a guitar. Um. And then I pretty sure I heard Metallica and I learned like Enter Sandman right off the bat. After my mom taught me a couple classical, uh, like easy classical pieces. And then from there, I just kind of like, I think the next couple songs I learned were like some rage songs and then Metallica. And then I tried to learn some Pantera songs. So then <laughs> this is when I was like 12. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> It's, it's funny. It's kind of similar for me. I, yeah. I, to be honest, when I was a little kid, I would steal my older sister's like tape cassettes. She listened like guns and roses and stuff like that. And I would air guitar to it. So I always kind of wanted to play it. And when I moved to Edmonton, uh, my cousin played guitar and that was like, Oh my God, I have to do this. And I got into that exact same age as Matt, 12 years old, same, almost two identical bands, rage against the machine and Metallica were the first songs I learned. And, always liked heavier stuff. I think I admittedly was more into punk rock when I was younger, but it got heavier and heavier as I got older through high school. And then out of that, uh, I played drums in bands as well. I did get to play drums. My mom let me have the drum kit. Lucky. Guitar has been my primary focus for most of my life. And for me, I started on guitar, uh, went to try out for the drums for, you know, just school music class and failed. Uh, now that I can say this, I'm the only one who continued and tried to be a drummer and am a drummer. So take that, everyone. <laughs> uh, but uh, I was fortunate enough where um, I realized I wasn't good at, I was not good at guitar. So I did uh, ask my parents for some drums, got a real crappy old drum kit with rust all over it. It was, it was crap. But I was fortunate to actually start to hit things. And once I start to hit those things and make noises, it just kind of stuck. And uh, Travis Barker, obviously of Blink, was probably the biggest reason why I started drumming because he was just the coolest 
dude back then. And uh, yeah, I didn't necessarily like metal then. I liked, I was more of a kind of hip hop and punk kid. And then, um, then I just kind of transitioned because I realized that metal has so much technicality to it that it was, it, it really intrigued me to learn how to, how to be able to even attempt to play that kind of music. So that's kind of how I got here. Now that you guys are big fans of metal, uh, what was or what are some of the things that draw you to the the music as a genre? Hmm. I mean, you could just, for me, it's like it's actually beautiful to listen to it, uh, even if it's like disgustingly heavy kind of thing. You know, it just makes me happy to hear it. Um, it's inspiring for me; gets me totally fired up to do whatever. And it's honestly the funnest thing in the world to play. But I also like to listen to non-metal stuff to kind of inspire me to write maybe some some way I wouldn't have thought of to approach it a little differently as well sometimes. What are some of your other favorite genres? I mean, I grew up on like classic rock with my dad, kind of a lot of his music, uh, everything from Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, you know, all the classics like that. Um, that stuff got me really interested in guitar. I think like Matt saying Metallica and Rage Against Fiend, those were maybe the first bands that I discovered on my own outside of my parents. And uh, it just kind of went from there. I mean, I've always liked heavier stuff. I think I just didn't know that heavy of stuff existed until I heard it. You know, like the first real serious metal band that was a bit more modern metal for me was Children of Bodom. And then I heard that my head exploded. I couldn't believe guitar could be played that way. Yeah. And then like, I think not long after that, Lamb of God and Black Dahlia Murder kind of fell in my lap and those just changed my entire life, and, like at the gates and stuff like that. And then the ball just kept rolling and I realized this is an entire universe of music I'd never knew existed. Entire universe of awesomeness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very similar tale for me. Yeah. You know, when people at that time, when somebody said metal, I thought, well, Megadeth, Metallica, Iron Maiden, I'm like, wow, there's actually all this other insane amount of stuff too. And, yeah. And it just went. I don't know. Like I just like, I just like the energy and the intensity of the music, and I like stuff that makes you go stank face. Doesn't doesn't chug. I think that's what does it. Yeah. <laughs> and Derek, pretty much the same for you. Then uh, the the heaviness and the yeah. like the aggression the the energy derek's yeah. fucking extreme okay yeah <laughs> I, I i am an adrenaline junkie so that kind of music definitely like 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 i was mentioning earlier i grew up on old school hip-hop so like i love the the beats and the vibe of hip-hop but then the energy of heavy metal just kind of elevates things to a different level yeah that's fair enough i kind of yeah helps you helps you get pumped up to do something stupid break your bones yeah derek <laughs> when derek snowboards and like kite surfs and does all these extreme things and the lot that we were telling about that wise hall show he he had broken his sternum and his wrist uh, his hand, his hand. Yeah. Like a week and a half before that show, and he played the show with broken bones. We should played a couple shows. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Powered through it. Okay, so how did you break your bones? I was snowboarding. I just essentially kind of calculated something wrong, and uh, <laughs> the snow conditions were not necessarily in my favor, and I ended up kind of going head over heels 
through a few trees as my body was bouncing off of those trees <laughs> and uh, like hit basically everywhere. Like I had like bruises on my legs. My face was all cut up. Uh, just I was sore everywhere and I didn't know that I actually had broken anything. And uh, the next morning I'd woken up and tried to pick up my phone and I couldn't even pick up my cell phone without it really hurting. So I was just like, okay, I know I, I got to go to the hospital. I got to figure, figure this shit out. And obviously the first thing that comes to mind is, oh man, we got a show in like a week, a week and a half. Like what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> so my, my first kind of topic of discussion was the, with the doctors was like, look, I'm going to play this show. So if you are going to give me a cast, please make it so I'm able to take it off like a removable cast because whatever happens then actually the, the woman who gave me uh, the cast was also a drummer. So that kind of was a funny little thing. And she's like, just, you know, I get it's intense music, but just for the love of God, just keep the time. That's all you need to do. Don't do anything else crazy. Just keep the time. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, it, 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 it still worked out. Like, I mean, Try not to gravity blast. It was, it was definitely (laughs) kind of uncomfortable and painful in some situations, but I just learned to like kind of control my breathing a little bit better and, and actually almost kind of focus on my technique maybe a little bit better. And it, it helped for sure. Was it harder to play with a broken sternum or a broken hand? Uh, there was trade-offs like it, it wouldn't hurt at the same time necessarily, or the same pain threshold mm-hmm. so what i i know when we are jamming a couple times before the show if i were to do a drum fill and kind of go left to right and had do that like a couple times then like when we stopped for the next song i'd feel it like pretty heavily in my chest and it would hurt so i just kind of i told myself okay take your fills that are going across your drums and just do them directly in front of you so you're doing the least amount of work but it's still basically playing the same thing but just on less drums and more focused in front of me so I didn't have to move my body as much was it more troublesome to like to move with a sternum break or was it was it worse to breathe I just I'm imagining you playing drums and it being really difficult to kind of work through the breathing part of it no the breathing was okay it was more the movement because the movement was pulling uh, the muscles and tendons and everything were pulling on that part of my chest so moving was definitely the most the most uh, painful part. Breathing was fine. It was just the movement. Holy fuck. So how long did uh, it take to, for you to heal up? Uh, I got my cast off maybe a couple, maybe two weeks ago or something. And my sternum probably, it, like, medically isn't officially 100% he, uh, healed, but it's pretty close. I'm, pro- I'm probably there, but maybe another week or maybe at the max two. Uh, and it would be, like... If I were to get a, another CT scan, it should be totally good. So this was a recent break then? Yeah, it happened in, I believe it was uh, March, March 15th that happened. Fuck. <laughs> that must have been scary as fuck. Rolling down a hill through some trees. Yeah, <laughs> Just sending it tomahawking through the trees. <laughs> <laughs> Things happen fast out there. This is the fastest way to the bottom. Fuck it, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh who are some of your guys's favorite bands oh man well definitely black dally murder rest in peace r.i.p uh, mm-hmm. a legion 
big influence on me. I really like this one band called Persephone. They're like a lot more progressive and I don't even know how you categorize them, but they're, they're definitely metal, their own kind of thing. There's so many. I'm always finding more and more and more bands I love. For myself, uh, well, M Matt and I, I think we can attest to this. One of our favorite bands of all time is Every Time I Die. And yeah. unfortunately, they're their time came to an end this year as well but uh for metal in terms of metal for me definitely again yeah i think black dahlia murder the nocturnal album or was probably that at that point in my life the heaviest album i've ever heard in my life and it like definitely changed the course for me to want to to learn more technical music um right in terms of right now probably between the buried and me uh periphery um the protest the hero uh matt and i go back with one of the drummer in the band mike uh and they've they've always been kind of uh he wasn't in the band the whole time but anyway they definitely were an influence in my life for sure big time uh because you know it was it was technical heavy but also still like melodic you know it had he had that clean vocal and stuff and definitely they were a big part of also the i think my progression into liking more technical music yeah they got all the bands i like <laughs> <laughs> just that's easy that's awesome. that show that was pretty sick oh yeah that's good. <laughs> yeah so you guys released uh, aspect of creation last year um now that it's been out for almost a year how are you guys feeling about it and in retrospect how does it compare uh compare to the beginning oh I, I would say drastically different from the first album uh, in terms of just writing maturity and production val like production wise, uh, that has a lot to do with Matt with, with the production of the EP. Um, for my simple answer, I think it's just a little bit more, a little bit more mature and a little bit more thought out. Uh, and, um, we also have different members from the first EP to the yeah. second, like we had, a uh, Jordan on guitar and, uh, Zach on bass on the first one. And we was kind of, you know, we did everything in our own homes, so, like, and Derek did his drums at a jam space with minimal microphones. And the second one, like Matt's an audio engineer. And when he joined up, brought a lot of experience and good ideas with it and just made, you know, we'd be laying it out and be like, okay, well, let's add this layer, try this, try that. And it just kind of made it so much crazier. Um, we, we took our time a lot more to make sure we were really happy with the sound and direction of it. Yeah. Um, I think that the next thing that we put out is going to be like, an equal step above aspect as aspect is above the first one as well. Yeah. On, on the, the beginning, Andy didn't have anyone challenging his authority on the song. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to push Andy a little bit at times to, to, to change parts. Yeah. It's actually a point because I played guitar by myself for yeah. a long time trying to find a band and Derek and I were, we were in the, uh, the together for about, like probably over a year, just the two of us. And then, you know, you write so many things, you've played them so many times and you bring in other people and now you're just teaching them how to do it and you kind of move along. Matt was definitely the first person that I really connected with musically uh, and could jam with on guitar, but definitely it got me out of my comfort zone. A lot of, a lot of times just being like, you know, you might think that sounds good because you played it 400 times, but it doesn't mean it does. And like, well, <laughs> I like let my ego step aside for a second and try, just try it a different way or whatever. And it, it's amazing how much more, you know, you can get out of it something like with that extra input and different angles on things. 
and then we are kind of going forward with this next one more as a collective rather than i think for a long time i just had so many songs written we were always playing catch up just trying to like yeah. get those songs but now we are caught up and we're kind of we're now we're at the drawing board together and it's gonna definitely take exactly. it up take it up a notch and so how is it playing um or sorry how is it different playing with one guitar versus two well, we always had two guitars it's just i wrote all the parts before and now oh, okay. i have matt like you know there's just a lot more input from all the other members this time i still write like a lot of stuff but matt writes a lot of stuff now and we, we now we kind of know we're a lot more familiar with each other's playing styles and kind of how like i can kind of show him something and he'll already have an idea of where i'm going with it and how to make that better it took me a long time to to be able to play andy's songs <laughs> so yeah. i finally caught up and i can now play and write stuff kind of that that i know that he'll like i kind of like i'm like okay what when i'm playing guitar i'm like okay is this an andy riff or is this like a some other genre that it's not andy riff and i'm like no this is an andy riff yeah (laughs) yeah and so you guys basically challenged each other to step out of your comfort zones yeah i'd say so for sure for sure not only that and like for me when i first joined the band or well when andy and i first met and realized that we had some musical chemistry pretty sure I straight up told him like, I can't play this stuff. Like I, I yeah. was not at that level yet, uh, even close. Uh, my draw, like I couldn't blast beat at that time whatsoever. Uh, and I think he just said like, yeah, you can, you will. Like, <laughs> and then it just kind of forced me to, you know, shut up and do it. And that was the only other option. It was just learn. I, I can definitely attest to the last like six years watching Derek turn into one of the like best drummers I've ever seen and coming and he was never like a bad drummer but he was definitely not like a technical metal drummer and now he 100 is you know that was really cool to see that progression he's also the hardest working dude in the, in the band <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so how do you guys learn those different skill sets if you if you realize you're not up to the task he's got to practice yeah it's like <laughs> just repetitive just keep doing it repetitive practice to like we have like Derek's click click tracks that he listens to while he while we play live. That's what kind of what we all practice to, and we yeah. just kind of you kind of just gotta every day just gotta run the set every day. Like my myself, I I literally force myself. Like I'll be sometimes I'll be sitting at home and I'm just feeling you know not necessarily even inspired, but I just know that I have to be progressing. Because if I'm just sitting on the couch, I'm not progressing. And in my head, I'm like, I don't want to fucking go play drums. But next thing I know, I'm like putting my jacket on, getting my bag. I'm like, I don't, I really don't want to play. And then I'm like in my car, like going to the jam space. And then I'm at my drums. And then I sit down, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I came. Like, yeah. That's easier you know? as a guitarist. So I just have to roll out of bed and go sit down in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> I, have to, I have to, you know, it's only a 10 minute drive for me, which is not bad. 10, 15 at the max. But, uh, yeah, it's just just forcing yourself to do it because if you're if you're not doing it, you're not doing anything. You're not, you're not progressing at all. But oh. lately, I've been uh, what I've been finding has been working for me specifically for trying to push what I can do. I'll warm up with our set, whatever set's coming up. I'll play that like twice. Then I'll play whatever complete new songs I have, and then after I'm done that, I'm pretty warmed up then I'll sit there and just work on a really annoying technique. I don't know how to do yet. And I'll sit there and do that for like half an hour or 45 minutes or however, however much time I have to do it and just keep running that, running that, running that. And 
till eventually I can start writing riffs confidently with whatever technique I'm trying to pick up. Hmm. Do you guys ever record yourself and then listen back to kind of pick out what you need to work on? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, at home I do. I'll record on my phone or I'll go sit down on my computer and lay it out and do it that way too. Yeah, for sure. Like I have a little uh, parlor size guitar at work. So whenever I get like five minutes or 10 minutes, I'll just any, anywhere I can, I'll get a little practice in. Well, that's pretty cool. So Matt, what goes into be, uh, being an audio engineer? Oh, uh, I went to school for a long time at a couple places. <laughs> and then um, I kind of wasn't, I was, I lived in Toronto for five years after I went to school and I kind of, I wasn't doing audio production as much as I wanted to, like I was hardly doing it. I was kind of more on the um, corporate side of the music industry there. And so I moved out here because all my friends were musicians and they wanted to tour and they needed a sound guy and stuff like that. And that's something that I always wanted to do. So I just like kind of like moved out here and jumped on a tour with some of my friends, indie bands. And just we had we toured with our own PA and we did a setup and tear down every day. And it was just like really good experience. So and then I was living in the open the door. I was living out in the. On, in the carport here oh there's my nice. motorcycle right there Living <laughs> out in the carport in a bowler for two the first two years i lived here and then i built this studio in the garage of the big house that my friends rented uh like three years ago and yeah so i've just been recording bands and stuff in here and you know doing the recording engineer thing a little bit <laughs> oh cool so a lot of bands use the space then as much as i can get in here yeah that's a really good idea yeah i'm surprised the uh, owners of the house allowed you to change that into a studio <laughs> they didn't know <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know and then they sold the house to a development company and now i think there's like between three and five years left that this house is will be here and then it's going to be destroyed okay <laughs> so, so <laughs> interesting so you're gonna have to find a new space then there's a time limit on this everything dies <laughs> i just heard a beeping on my side of things no, did you guys hear a beep? i just closed the window derek's beep okay cool i was thinking i was going crazy i'm like fuck am i out of time already going off <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> So in the past, you guys have talked about how aspect of creation was meant to like be enjoyed as a whole, but also could be enjoyed as separate songs. Um, for you guys, what goes into writing an album that flows more as a, as a whole or a concept rather than its individual parts? I think we're kind of just figuring that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like all, that, that EP, the songs, they all kind of had a, like, they all have a similar uh, like vibe. But uh, the thing that I concentrated on was the the intros and outros and kind of making them flow into each other uh so i did a bunch of like i added a bunch of like production to the intros and outros of those tracks to make them flow together a little bit better so that's what yeah that's that definitely yeah that makes sense so it doesn't necessarily have to be like this song and this song sound the same but you can hear them like smoothly going one into the next um we have more plans for kind of more purposely executing that kind of stuff with the full length like 
there's kind of a rough concept for it that it's not like a hard concept where it's one story the whole way through, but it's like kind of like a, uh, several different stories within a couple topics, I guess you could say. And a couple of songs will be like a, like a movement one, movement two of that portion of the story and stuff like that. And we're going to spend more time kind of really honing that in for this. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this might be kind of an interesting or not interesting. This might be a weird like analogy, but is it kind of similar to like a, like an EDM, uh, an EDM CD where the, the, Never mind. I, I know where I'm going with this in my head, but I think uh, I understand what you guys are trying to like say. where the tracks flow together. Like, I know what you mean. Yeah, it, it seems like it's a it's a live show. Almost yeah. the first time I heard that I was blown away because I'd never experienced um, a CD that did that. I think like one of the ones, one of the best ones I've ever heard that really, you know, I'm not going to say art's going to be anywhere near like this because it won't be. But the, between the Buried and Me colors like that mm-hmm. album is a beginning and full movement of everything like working together and continuing and uh, I've always wanted to not kind of try and do something like similar in, in that kind of way where it's, it's got this constant movement into the next thing and into the next thing. And I'm guessing that you have to consider like how the song begins as an individual as well. Like it has to start strong. It can't just start in the middle of like a, a lull. Totally. Yeah. And you're kind of picking like, you know, if you have stuff that's, you know, pretty fast, you're going to have parts where it kind of brings it down a little bit and has a bit more of a slower, where you can have like somber parts into more like a triumphant section or whatever, you know, try and change, literally change the mood, but have it still kind of as one cohesive unit. And kind of happen more uh, like naturally or organically. Yes. Okay. Are there any songs that you guys prefer to play live than others? There are for me for sure. Yeah, <laughs> whichever, whichever ones aren't hurting my fingers that much. <laughs> yeah, we've got a couple, uh, couple songs I don't like playing live for sure. <laughs> Is that mostly because of the technicality of it? Um, honestly, I it's gonna sound like a big cop out, but I have a I have a, a pretty hardcore construction job, right. and my hands get like super fucked up from it. So. I often feel like I'm holding on for dear life trying to get through a lot of them, but there's a couple where it's like, oh, it's just past that line, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and I know, honestly, like some of them are just like old and I just can't be bothered to play them anymore. We've played them a million times. Uh, we have a lot of new stuff. I'm way more excited about playing because it's new and shiny. Yeah, for real. And it's just more. Well, that and your sound is changing, changing yeah. a little bit too, right? Like you're, you're always progressing. You've got new members. Yeah. I know we chatted about this last time we talked, but uh, there was only one song on the first EP that had clean singing. Uh, you moved away from that. Was this something that you meant to steer away from, or was that just something that happened naturally? No, we had a, so that was Zach, our old bass player, and he was really good at singing, and we just wanted to incorporate it. Uh, we I don't think anybody in the band can I well, Matt's got the voice like of an angel, an angel, but he won't she won't show anybody it, so we'll not yeah, hear it. It's a secret uh, for now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> We're not opposed to it at all. Like, there's definitely some really cool stuff you can do, and it just gives you more options and kind of can make, you know, that can really make the song what it's meant to be, too, in the right place in the right way. So it's definitely something we're considering considering for future stuff. Yeah. Would you guys find, like, adding clean singing a little bit harder to balance or to sound good with your guys' music? I think I it would be think more so. of, like, a highlight in certain parts and not really, like, a, the normal thing that happens throughout the majority of it. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, like you're definitely at our core still like a 
a heavier <clears throat> yeah and if it, like that's for like cleans like it, i kind of want to incorporate some pitched screaming in the next record but we're still working that out yeah yep. i actually have some really weird vocal ideas for this next record too and our old bass player zach we're still really good friends with him too and uh kind of pick his brain about it vocal stuff and want to kind of get him to do some guest stuff here and there of weird stuff he hasn't done before like so it won't necessarily sound like it did on that first ep that would be cool yeah 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 ideas are churning in our minds <laughs> they are frothing <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna sound really fucking nerdy but you'd be a great dungeon master mm, <laughs> <laughs> i've never played i've always wanted to but yeah anyways dude i've only played one time and it was on a i was we had a straight shot back from ontario to to vancouver on after a tour and they were playing dungeons and dragons in the band i'm like i'm not playing you guys nerds <laughs> and then they're like, playing for like two hours and i'm like okay 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 the only way I'm playing is if I can be a pigeon with no power. And they're like, yes. And so like we played for like 10 more hours at, and I eventually developed like a whole story for the pigeon. And then, and then I was super into it. Now I'm, now I'm a mega, mega nerd. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, Derek's an outdoorsy kind of guy. Matt is a super nerd. Andy, what's your uh, <laughs> what's your style? What's my style? Oh, he's a oh man, well, I'm a pretty big nerd. Yeah, I like reading a lot. Uh, <laughs> definitely like big into the fantasy, sci-fi kind of stuff. Um, also, like Family Guy. We got I'm married and an eight-year-old boy at home. My nephew. We're uh, we're like three uh, parent parenting this kid. My wife's brother, myself, and my wife. So that takes up a lot of time outside of band and work. And then I do a lot of hardscape, landscape construction stuff, building cool backyards for people. Nice. And I don't have time for anything else other than shitting, sleeping, and eating. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot that goes into building like backyards and landscaping and stuff like that. Um, We had ours done a couple of years ago, and I can't believe how much work there was involved. Oh, yeah. You have to be quite knowledgeable, too, with everything and like know where everything should go, how it should be placed. Yeah. The biggest thing I learned is make sure you know which way the water's going. <laughs> okay. There's a story behind it's, that. Away from the house, always. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I read through some of your lyrics and I noticed that you refer to like scarabs in two separate songs and the song Leth- Lethoceros. I think we discussed that last time. Uh, it's a type of water beetle. Did you guys do that on purpose? Like, are you meaning to put the insect references in there? Um, so I think uh, I think these are Kale lyrics. Uh, I'm not sure what his motive was for the scarabs. I think I named the song Lethoceros as a working title, and then it just kind of stuck because it was a nice word. <laughs> uh, this is something we're getting out of, but one of the kind of bad habits at the beginning of the band was whatever the working title was sort of stuck, mm. whether it pertains to what the, the song was about or not. That's not happening anymore. We're definitely like titling our tracks to be what it's about um i'd have to read those lyrics again to really tell you (laughs) (laughs) 
So my follow-up yeah. question to that was uh, including with like the Scarab references is included in a line in Journey to Nothing about the Sons of Ra. Is like the Egyptian theme something that you guys meant to put in there or was just that something that came naturally? I think that's just the was driving on at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He kind of just mixes it up and then kind of like his writing style was kind of trying to take his personal emotions and stuff and then just put it into a bit more of a metal sounding topics okay. story. Yeah. Like, you know, even going to our first EP, there's like Chakruna, for instance, I remember him talking about like the gods and stuff in that song too. And just kind of making it sound more metal, I guess was his, was his vibe on that. Okay. Uh, I started writing a lot of lyrics as well. And we do have pretty vastly different writing styles. Mine's totally from re- reading sci-fi fantasy books, stuff like that. Kale's more like the emotional or darker experiences of life. And kind of that's his inspiration for it. And so then on this, uh, on your new music, are you guys going to be continuing to write with two uh, lyricists? Um, I think that because we're going for a bit of a more consistent, more consistent theme, we're going to kind of more work at it collectively. I've been writing a lot of lyrics, but then I'm kind of sending them off to all these guys to kind of read and kind of give me some feedback on. And yeah, we're just trying to find what actually makes sense and works together. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think we're going to, kind of have a collection of lyrics and then dissect and make it happen (laughs) and then see what the song needs vocally rhythmically Mm -hmm. and make the words work syllabically within (laughs) what the song needs so it's got a lot of work to do (laughs) yeah it sounds like you guys are going like above and beyond um like in in kind of all aspects you're you're doubling down on pretty much everything and, and having like a group think process with lyrics is pretty unique. Yeah. Yeah. It helps. I mean, I honestly, the first EP, I didn't even know what the lyrics were until well after kind of read them. The second mm-hmm. one was more like while we were actually recording it and taking our time, then that was kind of the first time for me of actually reading them and seeing what they're all about. And, uh, and then actually at that point I did jump in and kind of help shuffle some stuff around with Kale and rework some things just to kind of be a bit more uh, cohesive with what the song was doing um and then kind of just moving forward it's just kind of fallen more in that i'm kind of writing more of the lyrics and matt's kind of giving me some ideas and kale is kind of taking the like the rhythm side of it of how he's going to execute it okay yeah are you guys focusing on like how like sentence structure works or like more words that rhyme together I focus on like writing a, a cool, badass sounding story. And then Matt kind of has more of the ideas of, and, and Kale of like how that'll actually structurally make sense. Sometimes I do have an idea, like I'll write, I'll be thinking of the guitar riff and the drums and I'll have the, the, the phrase or whatever will pop in my head and like, okay, that'll work like that. That's definitely happened. But a lot of time I honestly am just sitting at home and I'll just start writing and writing and writing without really a particular song in mind and be like, well, what do you guys think of this? Do you think it'll work for this one? Or yeah it's just kind of spur the moment but within the realm of what we're trying to come up with so then are you guys planning on uh having like an overarching or overarching theme for this next album or ep or is it something that's gonna have like i know you mentioned that a little bit earlier but is it gonna be i don't know an overall story i guess yeah there's like sort of three themes we want to kind of tie together and then make that sort of potentially be like each song can be kind of different, but within those three different themes that we're sort of tying together. But still have them all like kind of related. 
they work into each other that way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so then does that also mean that you're going to be playing new music at the Loud Cell Festival? Oh, yeah. Six. Probably majority of the set will probably be new music. Yeah. Are you guys uh, releasing any singles before the show? Yeah, that is the plan. We actually, so we have this modified girls show coming up, kind of focusing on that. And then very much immediately after that, mm. we're uh, getting into the ranch here and recording a single specifically to drop for going on tour. Nice. That'll be yeah. pretty cool. You guys are fucking busy the entire way through the summer. Yes. Yeah. yeah I'm freaking out a bit, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's the best yeah. way to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep it going. We have a lot of just the... a lot to do. There's a yeah. lot to do be from right now until we hit the road. There's yeah. a yeah. lot. Cause we want to, wanna, we want to, we got to focus on the show, but then we're going to load the drums directly from the show into this studio and then sort of think on the, the, the Monday after the show, we're going to set everything up, mic everything up, probably going to do 16 channels of drums. We're going to rent some hot mics and start tracking drums next week. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm gone for like a month or for a week at the beginning of June. And then we got to record, mix, master that song and then shoot the music video before before we take off before the, the month before we go on tour because we got to set up our uh we, we are really <laughs> good at planning <laughs> so we have all these phenomenal ideas floating in clouds and we have to like catch them and actually stick them on a whiteboard and get a timetable around them <laughs> <laughs> that's the hardest part sometimes it's just like um you were saying with the instruments it's like y- you got to show up as soon as you do that, you're fine, but it's getting there first. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, exactly. And you always got to kind of sacrifice something. So when we're actually really working on it, that will be, you know, what would normally be a practice day isn't going to be practice day. It's now going to be a tracking day or a, or a video day or all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I've already reached out to the guy who's been mixing and mastering our stuff for us to be like, can this be done by this point, first of all? And like, yes, it can, but you need to get it like as soon as humanly fucking possible so yeah, now we're yes, like okay, okay we got there we go, we got yeah. yeah yeah and then once we're back from tour then it's hunker down and really start getting this uh next album written it's like finished writing it yeah, yeah. it's not finished right being written yet but we're good good way in, into we want to have the next album done for like spring 2023 yeah so it definitely can be done by then. Yeah. And you guys are releasing it independently as well? Yeah. Okay. Unless some magic happens. Yeah. But uh, I feel like... Unless Century Media or Metal Blade <laughs> Records just gives us a buzz after this. <laughs> <laughs> I I do feel like a lot of artists, not just in the in, not in the metal scene, but some hip-hop artists I listen to who are, who are all independent, like it just seems to me that independent is a good way to go. We have so much technology at our fingertips. There's so many resources that, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily, unless it's the really right deal for you as a band and as individuals, you don't necessarily need the, the label just yet. There's a lot you can do independently Mm -hmm. that can help, that can help yourself out. Would you guys say that like nowadays that it would be accurate to say that most of the benefit that a label would bring is just like distribution and, and more or less getting your name out there? 
Definitely. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that the I think when we're ready, when we would need a label is if we're gonna go overseas to like a big US tour, a big European tour, like it'd be sick to go to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I was just thinking Japan. Yeah. Um yeah, when it comes down to things like that where you actually you just need uh their their uh resources to even pull it off. Yeah, fair enough. You know? Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's like a badge of honor that comes with being independent too, because you're not essentially at the mercy of uh, a label. You're not told to have something done by a certain time or do it a certain way. You don't have to please investors. It's just what you guys want. Yeah, exactly. And it comes yeah. to so many things. I mean, like we we've had a couple conversations with smaller smaller th- labels and stuff like that. And just kind of read read through what their offers were, and now uh, it just it, we just felt like right now. We're good. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing and keep pushing it this way. And um, one of the things that really helped actually is working with uh, Asher Media. Yeah, John um, Asher. John Asher. Yeah, he's he, awesome. he like he's yeah. phenomenal. So that's like an an amazing resource right there that you can use as an independent band. It'll help a lot. I can't believe how busy he is. Yeah, he's swamped all the time. <laughs> yeah. He's like on top of it. Like he, um, him and I yeah. talk every so often, and it's uh, like he was one of my guests. I think it was episode seven. Um, but anyways, I didn't realize how involved in the metal scene he was at that time. And then now just like seeing everybody that he's, um, been involved with over the years, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 yeah he's great. Yeah, I met him at loud as hell mm-hmm. last, uh, last year. Cause I remember, you know, we were dealing with him, doing this, uh, with him for this whole, uh, aspect of creation release. And we're like, man, we can't finally wait to meet you. And then. It was going back and forth. Okay, I'm here. And then he wasn't there because the, the band started. I wasn't there for whatever reason. And we finally met. And it was just such a good such a good thing to finally meet the guy who's been doing such hard work. And he's such a such a good guy. Like when I met him, I, we just instantly, you know, got along. And I really respected the fact that, you know, he could have – he's so busy that he you could almost excuse him acting in a way that, you know, he doesn't have time for you because he's so busy, but that's not, that wasn't the case at all. He was just, you know, had the time, wanted that conversation and was just really, really good to work with and just, you know, get to know at the same time and through that weekend. Yeah. 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 We'll definitely be working with him again with the single and leading into tour and all that. Awesome. One thing that's clear is he's very passionate about the scene as a whole, like especially Canadian metal and he's super chill. It's awesome. Yeah. He's yeah. super chill. So, guys, for uh, fans looking for your guys' music, where's the best place for them to find it for you? You can go to param-nesia.bandcamp.com. Uh, we se- separated our name with a hyphen because there's a there's another band in Europe. They're inactive, but anyway, uh, basically on all you know all forms of social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram, or Paramnesia Van or vancouver um and you know apple music spotify all that all that stuff but band camps where you want to go mostly band camp. that's where we get our support from the fans is uh through you know through the purchases of Bandcamp, and we appreciate every bit of it awesome gentlemen thank you again for joining me and i can't wait to meet you guys at loud as hell for yeah, real man thank awesome. you yeah, thank you so much thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on gyro nation metal Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.